I'd like to do three things tonight. Uh, by your leave and by the permission of the Lord. Uh, the first is I would look forward to a time when I can share with the congregation uh, what it is like to be a pastor. It has long been my contention that if every layman could be a pastor for, let's say, six months or a year, it would make all the difference in the world in the church because I think that people misjudge what a pastor does, what he thinks, what he is all about. Uh, I know that to be true. So in the future, I would like to do that uh, sometime uh, when it is possible. The other thing is, uh, the second thing I would like to do tonight is to just share with you a little bit. I know that in a group of this size, there are those people that are frustrated with reading and studying the Bible. You are frustrated because you don't know how, and you are afraid to say to someone, I don't read my Bible because, and so you just drift along day after day, month after month, without uh, reading or studying the Holy Word of God. And I don't think that this is your fault. I think that perhaps you need a plan. Let me suggest one plan. There are many, many plans, but let me suggest one. Start out simply, okay? In the morning or noontime, evening, whenever it is, set aside a time and start with the first book of the Bible, the first chapter of Genesis. In that same, you read the first chapter of Genesis, and then you go to the Psalms, right after you read Genesis, and you start with the first Psalm. And then after you do that, you go to the New Testament, and you start reading Matthew's Gospel, first chapter. The second day, you do the same thing, only you go to the next chapter in each of those, and you go through the Bible this way. That pretty much puts you through the Bible in a little over a year. The reason I suggest this, it is simple, and you will pick up all kinds of knowledge about the Bible. At your side, as you are doing this, have a notepad and a pen or pencil and write down questions that occur to you as you are reading the Bible. And then don't be shy, don't be afraid, ask someone. You can ask any member of the staff or you can ask a Sunday school teacher, I have these questions, here they are, can you help me, can you give me an answer? The point, uh, the real truth is that uh, we do not have all the answers, but those that have spent years in the scripture are able to help brothers and sisters that perhaps have not been able to spend as much time. So for your help, um, that is a suggestion. The other thing for your help, do not miss church. Don't miss it. Now, I know there are all kinds of reasons why people miss church. In our family, I always told the kids, if you are so sick that we have to call the undertaker, 
we will not insist on you being in church. Uh, that's pretty harsh, right? But uh, anyway, it worked. Uh, they, some of them turned out all right. <laughs> so do not miss church. I have people say, well, I haven't seen these people in 80 years or 50 years, whatever it is. Well, okay, bring them to church with you. That way you can enjoy the things of the Lord together. We have no business staying away from God's house on his day. No business at all. I don't care what the excuse is. Ball game, uh, foot race, uh, soccer, no, 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 no. It's God's day. It is a day that is holy, which means it is set apart for his worship. Now, I had a cousin who told me, well, <clears throat> I can go out and worship the Lord while I'm watching the flowers and the clouds. And no, you can't. Or you might be able to do it on an individual basis, but the point of going to church is that we are together, and together we can do things. We can help one another in the faith. So read the Bible. Don't miss church and pray. Now, maybe you don't pray very much. I don't know what your prayer habits are, but to get in the habit of just praying a sentence or two to start off with and then expand, and you will discover that prayer really pays. God listens. And as you are going to hear tonight, prayer changes things. It's an old cliche, but it's a true cliche. Prayer changes things. That brings us to the third thing tonight. I want to share with you Romans 8.28. All things work together for, let's say it together, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. Now, many people know this verse by heart, but they do not understand the meaning of it because they apply it in such ways that it really is not applicable at all. This is not a blanket statement that covers everybody in the world, so that if, if uh, somebody is out there in the world, doesn't know Jesus, and things are going south for them, uh, you do not say to them, all things work together for good, because they don't. This has qualifiers. All things work together for good to those who love God, those who are called according to his purposes. So this uh, limits the majority of people it does not apply to because they are not in Christ. We want them to be. We're not happy that they're not in Christ, but until they are in Christ, this wonderful blessing uh, does not apply. I want to tell you how it applies in my life. The background of my life, I gave a little bit the last time I was up here. 
I shouldn't say a little bit because uh, my son said you went on too long. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll try not to do that tonight. But in my background, uh, growing up, I had few friends. I wore thick glasses. I was a skinny kid. Uh, my parents were rather poor, so I didn't have uh, much in the way of uh, good clothing. In fact, my clothing was very sparse. And so I didn't have, I grew up in an Italian-American community. Uh, most of the people there were Sicilian Italians. Uh, they were very clannish, as are all first-generation people from other countries. They feel more comfortable being with others that speak their language and share their customs. We can understand that. So uh, my friends, uh, the people that I went to school with, uh, were uh, rather standoffish. And then there was the problem also that they were Roman Catholic, and I was a blank Protestant. And so that did not help in making friends. So I lived a rather lonely life. And during this time, uh, friends were very special and very much appreciated. So I would go out of my way to make friends of those people around me. Uh, once I got a car, I made a lot of friends <laughs> in a hurry. And uh, it, it was a, a wonderful time in my life. I thought at that time, I've got all of these friends. And so instead of giving myself to studies, as I should have, um, I spent my time with my friends. And I got along fine in school. I was able to pull down A's and B's with a few C's sprinkled in. And so things were going fine with a minimum of work and a maximum of time with the people that I thought were friends. Now this kind of thing set me up for my college experience. I went to college and uh, rather in a uh, strange mood. I thought if I go to college I can just continue what I did in high school. I'll make friends there and uh, study a little bit and go out with the friends and it's going to be grand. What I didn't realize is that when I went to college, I was going to be very lonely. It was a throwback to the earlier days in my life when I didn't have any friends. For the first time in my life, I was away from home. I didn't know anyone. I didn't even know my way at first around the campus. That changed after a few days. But it was a, a time of, I didn't want to admit it at the time, but it was a time of homesickness. I had never left Monterey, California. I had gone to Sacramento a couple of times, uh, San Francisco with my parents and others maybe five or six times. The farthest south I had ever been was Chular, if you know where that is, on Highway 101, right outside of Salinas. 
In fact, in those days, to go to Salinas was a great treat. That was a long way. We did not have an automobile. Most people back there did not have an automobile. So to go to Salinas was a real treat. So now I am going hundreds of miles away from home for the first time in my life. I'm leaving all my friends. I had just received Christ as my savior, and I'm going away to a strange place with very strange people, people that I didn't know, and I was very lonely. So this is the background of my college experience. So I began to go to class. I was enrolled in a pre-medical course. My objective in life was to become a doctor of medicine. And in those courses, I tried to study just as I had in high school. That was not good. Uh, the first semester passed, and uh, I did not. The University of Redlands, I guess it's uh, in all universities, but uh, at least in Redlands, if you did not maintain a C average, you were placed on probation. So the first year, I, first semester, I was placed on probation. I had uh, C's and uh, 1D. That put me on probation. Second semester, same thing. And I began to worry a little bit because second semester, I was on second probation. Third probation meant you're out, goodbye, uh, come back later on. Second semester, probation. In the meantime, I had asked Mac to be my wife, and at first she declined, but then she acceded to my request and said she would marry me. But now I'm in my third semester in college. Now I have not only homesickness, by this time it is disappearing because I'm in my second year now. Uh, I have a, a girlfriend, a real friend, and so I'm in a much better position. The course in medicine required me to take a course in physics. Physics one. Uh, there were two options. I could either take physics one from Dr. Albert Baez. Anybody recognize that name? Albert Baez is the father of Joan Baez. He was one of the professors, a well-known, well-publicized communist, and uh, so I did not want to be in his class, and which was good because the class was already filled. So I went to the second choice, which was Dr. Klein. Dr. Klein was probably in his uh, mid to late 30s. He wore his hair short. Uh, he, in my mind's eye, 
probably was the poster boy for uh, what Germans look like. Uh, he, was, he was a good-looking man, short hair, and right on the corner of his cheek, he had a big mole. I'll never forget it. And so I went in and uh, studied under Dr. Klein. I did not take to physics very well. In fact, I didn't take to it at all. It was one of those courses I just could not get through my skull. And I, by this time, I was working. I had changed my study habits, and I was really trying because I knew this was the last go-around. As uh, I went through the class and listened to Professor Klein, uh, he began to make some disparaging remarks about the faith and the Christian faith in particular. And he said, uh, there is only one Lord in all of the universe, and that is the Lord of science. He said, all this religious stuff is silly. He says, it's antiquated. It's all behind us. Science is king. Uh, many other statements like that. Uh, I had had uh, just about enough of those statements, and I decided I've got to go and have a talk with him. So I waited until after class, and I went and I said, uh, Professor Klein, um, I want to share my story with you. He said, oh, fine. What's your story? And so I told him about my conversion to Christ. And I said, God is very real to me. And he said, well, uh, thank you for sharing that, but you're a young man. And he said, uh, you seem uh, fairly bright, fairly bright. <laughs> He said, I, I think you'll outgrow it. And uh, I said, well, I'm going to pray for you. He says, great, pray away, pray all you want to. That's fine. He said, I don't believe it'll do any good, but go ahead and pray. So I began to pray for him. And uh, we had a few more interesting conversations as the time went on. Meanwhile, there were tests which were given periodically in physics class, and I did not do well on them at all. In fact, I think the only F I ever got in my whole schooling was on one of those early tests. The second and third were a little better. I got uh, a D, and I think the third one, I got a C minus, so I was doing better, but I was not getting it. So uh, Professor Klein announced to the class that there would be no final examination. He said, instead of a final examination, I'm going to give a big examination, which will be weighted heavily. Regardless of what happened in the other examinations, if you do this, if you ace this examination, you will do well. I began to pray. I had the church praying for me. I had my friends praying for me. 
Mac prayed for me. And, you know, I was covering myself with prayer. I was beseeching the Lord, Lord, help me on this. Do not let me miss out on this opportunity. Please help me. So um, with all of this uh, prayer covering, I thought I'm well taken care of because God does answer prayer, doesn't he? <laughs> yes. And so everybody's praying. Automatically, God is going to answer our prayers. You know that God does not always answer in the way that he, we think he will. You've discovered that, right? Uh, and so... Uh, all these prayers were going up, and I thought, God is going to give me the ability when I go in there to ace this examination. At least I'll get a passing grade, and I will be off of probation. I can get married. And Now, be, before I go on with the rest of the story, that was weighing very heavily on my mind. I thought, if I flunk out of college... Then I'm going to go back home. Uh, I don't know whether Mac will wait for me. Uh, it may all be over as far as uh, my life goes. I, my father was in the taxi business, and I could see myself as a taxi driver perhaps for the rest of my life. Remember, I'm 19 years old when this happened, and I'm a young Christian. I didn't know the Lord very well, but I was finding out about him. So the day of the test came. I took the test, and I left the room dejected. I thought, that was really bad. I did not do well. I'm out of college. I went back to my room, and I got down by the side of the bed, and I prayed, and I said, Lord, I, I don't understand, but I submit myself to your will. Whatever it is, I know you, and I know you're not going to let me down, so whatever you have for me, here I am, and I submit myself to your will. So we went back to class. And Dr. Klein passed out the tests with the, the points that we had accumulated on the test and the letter grade. I got my test back, and guess what was there? A C. I had passed. I was going to be in college. I was going to get married. I was going to have a great life ahead of me. And then I checked the numbers. He had added the numbers up in the wrong way. I did not deserve a C. I deserved a D. Uh, you know the old adage about uh, finders, keepers, losers, weepers? <laughs> I thought, now is the time I will slip out that door no one will be the wiser. Now, I got as far as the door, 
And I believe the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. The Holy Spirit said, you go up and you tell the professor that he made a mistake in adding up the score. One foot was out the door, the other foot was in. And before I could change my mind, I believe that the Holy Spirit turned me around and I marched up to the desk and I told the professor that he had made a mistake in adding up my score. I will never forget the look on his face. It was one of amazement. And he said, oh, well, uh, thank you uh, for telling me. And so I handed the paper back to him and I thought, this is it, this is the end, and I left the class. Uh, the rest of the semester, since that served as the final test, uh, was just a, a time of uh, uh, some further studies in physics and a time of fellowship. Until Toward the last day in class, Professor Klein got up and he said, you know, I am here at the university only for one year. He said, I'm leaving at the end of this year and I'm going to, I don't remember where he said, I believe it was a school in Colorado and I will teach physics there. He said, since I'm not going to be here, I want to give everyone in the class a gift. He said, everyone in the class is getting at least a C. Now, you can say that that just happened. You can say the Lord wasn't involved in that at all. But I know better. The Lord was deeply involved in it. That is how he answered our prayers. And Professor Klein said, every one of you will receive a C. And I went up after class and I said, I don't know how to adequately thank you. He said, uh, my thanks will be if you go on and live a worthwhile life. That's the last time I ever saw him. What I want to impart to you tonight is that this was the work of God. I've told this story to a few people and they, uh, their attitude is... Uh, well, this only happens to special people. No, it doesn't. You see me around church and you see me laughing and smiling and uh, <clears throat> ribbing Greg and ribbing everybody else. and You think, boy, he's really got it all together. That's what you think. The Apostle Paul wrote in uh, 1 Timothy... Chapter 1, verse 15. 
um, that all men are sinners, condemned under sin, and of them I am chief. The reason he wrote that is because he didn't know Chet Harder Jr. That's right. Yeah, you see, you see the outside. You do not see the dark shadows and the wickedness within. It's there. And except for the grace of God, it would come out more often than it does. So I don't ever want you to think that I am somebody who is super spiritual or super special. You look at the leadership of the church and the same is true of every one of them and the same is true of every one of you. We are all dark sinners worthy of hell. If we got what we deserved, I'd have had an F in that class, and I, if I got what I deserved spiritually, would be on my way to hell. I might be there now. But God is so good, so good. He takes us where we are. He loves us, and he forgives us. He wraps his arms around us, and he does some things in our lives that uh, when we look back on it, we think, Lord, how gracious you have been in my life. I want to conclude by saying that if this were the only case in my life where this has happened, this kind of thing, this special thing, you might conclude, well, that can easily be explained away. I I think I told you, maybe in the last time I shared with you, uh, we have a friend who fancies herself to be an atheist, and so uh, on a, when I was taking her home to her, uh, Moore Park, I shared with her this story. And for once she was quiet, and she said, well, that's uh, pretty impressive. But it can easily be explained away. I said, well, maybe so. But when it happens again and again in your life while you are following Christ, how do you explain that away? If I were to tell you all of the times when the Lord has intervened in marvelous ways in my life, We'd be here all night in ministry, in my personal life, in so many situations. He has intervened quietly, and yet his hand has been there. I've always wished that I could, uh, you know, people in the Middle East, according to my son Dan, they, uh, they believe in dreams. When they have a dream, if they dream of Jesus, they want to know about Jesus. So I've always thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if I could have a dream about God, about his son, Jesus Christ? Never had that kind of dream, not once. Instead of the dream, 
There has been the reality of God in my life again and again and again because I am super special. No, because he loves you and he loves me. And if we give him the opportunity, he will do great things in our lives. So um, I have not always done the right thing. Probably I share that with many people here tonight. We've made our mistakes. We have purposely done the wrong thing. I think I only had the courage to do in other circumstances in life what I did, prompted by the Holy Spirit with Dr. Klein. What a wonderful life it would have been. But you know, I'm like the children of Israel. They went up to the Red Sea, and uh, the, the Egyptians are cloud, dust cloud behind them. They're closing in on them fast. And Moses lifts, it, lifts his hand, and the sea parts, and they go across on dry land. The Egyptians try, and the waters cover them. Suppose you were one of those Israeli children, and you're watching this. And I've said to myself, if I had been there, I would never turn away from the Lord. I would never turn to a golden calf in the desert. I'm fooling myself. I'd have done just what they did. I'd have turned away from God. I'd probably worship the golden calf the way they did. Because in my own life, that's what I've done. On occasions when I should have been strong in the Lord, I became weak. On the occasions when I could have made an impact for the Lord, I decided to be selfish. So, don't ever put me on any kind of pedestal because I don't belong there. Just a sinner. A sinner who has experienced the wonderful grace of Jesus in my life. I always like to conclude a service with an invitation. I'm going to do that tonight. The reason is, I think I know you all, but uh, then again, you think you know me and you don't. Uh, I don't know your heart. There may be those here tonight that really need to get in touch with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to extend the invitation. I won't prolong it. I'm going to step right down there. If you have a need in your life and you feel like sharing it with this old sinner, come. Let's pray together before we sing, and we're going to uh, sing the in indicated hymn. We'll sing number 330, Only Trust Him. Let's pray. Lord, we review the past of our lives.
We see how wonderful and gracious you have been in spite of our fickleness, in spite of our sinfulness, in spite of our rebellious spirits, in spite of the fact that we have not served thee with full hearts. So, Lord, how gracious and wonderful you are to us. And I would pray for my brothers and sisters here tonight that they may experience more and more, that we together will experience more and more of your loving grace toward us. May these uh, simple words tonight be toward that end, blessed by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen.